Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kowaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Darren Lehman. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast. This is a special edition of the Unplayable Podcast. Australia's squad for the first two Magellan Ashes tests has been released, and boy, oh boy, it's a doozy. The 13-man squad reads Steve Smith, David Warner, Cameron Bancroft, Jackson Bird, Pat Cummins, Peter Hanscom, Josh Hazelwood, Usman Kawaja, Nathan Lyon, Sean Marsh, Tim Payne, Chad Sayers, and Mitchell Stark. Australia legend Mike Hussey is here. Mike, we've got a bolter, a veteran record, a youngster dropped, and an uncapped player. What's your initial reaction to the squad? <laughs> yeah, g'day Sam. It's uh, it's all happening, isn't it? Uh, yeah, amazing scenes. Uh, I think um, I, I, I guess the big surprise in my book is uh, is probably Tim Payne. Um, you know, the, the selectors have obviously identified him as the best gloveman in the country. Um, uh, just well, he, most of last season he was playing second eleven cricket. He, he couldn't even get a game for Tasmania. So it's amazing how quickly things can turn around. Um, for him so uh, yeah very exciting news for him as for Bancroft and Sean Marsh I think they're probably the two form players um, you know at, at the moment uh, Sean Marsh in particular during the JLT one day cup was um, was in great touch and he, he started the season in Sheffield Shield cricket you know, pretty well and then Cam Bancroft I think what really would have made the selectors stand up and think about him was the, the two knocks he played against New South Wales which is virtually the test attack yeah um, playing against playing against them and scoring um, you know big runs and, and batting for such a long period of time, I think that would have made them think, wow, well, you know this, this guy's ready to play Test cricket. And uh, unfortunate for Matt Renshaw that he just couldn't get any runs uh, in in the first three Shield games, and, and unfortunately that's probably cost him his spot. So the selectors have certainly stuck to their word, I guess, and sort of said, look, there's three Sheffield Shield games, um, you know, um, get yourself picked, and 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 you know they've, they've they've rewarded those guys that have played well in Sheffield Shield cricket. All right, let's get into Tim Payne. He's 32. He's played just one Shield game this year in which he wasn't the keeper. He got a duck in 71 not out in that match. He's played four tests, the last in October 2010. I think I've just seen on Twitter that was something like 2,600 days ago. Now he's the test keeper. Uh, Mike, why do you think the selectors gave Payne the nod? Well, yeah, they obviously think he's the best keeper. And and that's probably what the most important thing, um, you know, get get the right guy behind the behind the stump. So I I think they've probably been, you know, uh, Matthew Wade. That I I saw some of the quotes saying that um, that they just need more consistency from him. Probably with the gloves and with the bat, he hasn't scored the amount of runs that they they would have uh, they they would have liked. Um, And then I guess maybe they just didn't want to go back. Um, to a Peter Neville, um, they, they'd sort of gone down that path before, and, and perhaps they didn't want to go back back to him again. So they've made a fresh break from those two guys, um, and, and decided to go for for Tim Payne. So it would have been interesting to see how how close they were to going for someone like an Alex Carey if they didn't want to go for a Wade or a or a Neville. How, how close Alex Carey would have been to getting picked? But no, they've gone for Tim Payne, which I think is a real shock. Um, as I mentioned, you know he was only playing second eleven cricket for most of last year for Tasmania. 
so for him to be the you know picked in the first Ashes Test is, is a huge surprise. Um, but we wish him well, obviously. There's an article on cricket.com to last night saying that he almost gave it away. He was going to work for Kookaburra and move to Melbourne, but uh, he got a well, contract yeah. contract extension, and now he's in the Test team. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I think um, from from all reports, you know, Tasmania weren't sure if they wanted to contract him at all, and he was considering a job um, with Kookaburra. Um, uh, eventually, they did contract him. Um, thankfully, I guess now for for him and for Australian cricket, and, and yeah, it's, it's just amazing how quickly things can turn around. You know, um, so yeah, now he's playing an Ashes series. Mike, what kind of message does that send to the other keepers in the country? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I think um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see to hear, hear what um, uh, Trevor Holmes and the other selectors come up with to, to actually explain explain why they've gone for Tim Payne and exactly that. What, what, is, what does that mean for the other keepers around the country? I guess, I guess it means that, um, you know, that they want the best wicketkeeper in the country. So um, get your wicketkeeping skills up you know, uh, uh, as best they possibly can. And, and, and obviously that performance, um, um, performance must count for, for a lot. And unfortunately for, for probably um, Wade and Neville, their, their performances probably with the bat haven't, haven't been um, as, as good as they would have liked it to be able to get themselves picked. But having said that, as you mentioned, Tim Payne's only played the one shield game and he got a duck and he did get a 70, I guess. But, um, but I, I'm sure it's got to come down to the glove work. Right. And you were there in his 2010 debut uh, in England against Pakistan, of, of all places, and against all opponents. What's he like as a glove man? I'm going back a few years now, but what was your first impressions of him? No, I always thought he was a very good gloveman. Um, yeah, very good indeed. Uh, I think what really set his career back, he got a nasty finger injury. Um, and, and, and that kept him out for a number of years, actually, uh, and, and made it really difficult. Even when he came back in, into first-class cricket, he was still not 100% and struggling with that finger. Uh, and so that, that, that certainly set his career back a long way. Um, but he's obviously fully fit again now. Um, which is good for him, and, and probably just in the nick of time, because as you said, his career was almost over. Um, and, and now, yeah, he's got his opportunity, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some nerves there, um, you know, particularly with not having played a lot of top-level cricket in the last few years. Um, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of excitement as well, and, and he's just got to try and back his abilities and, and know that he's good enough, and, and, um, and yeah, um, have, have, the, have the belief that he is the, Australia's best wicketkeeper. I think the, the last stat, and the last one on pain, was that... Uh, Darren Lehman scored his last Shield century in 2007 and Tim Payne's last Shield century was in 2006. So he's coming in um, <laughs> with not a whole lot of runs behind him, but with all selections, Mike, uh, hindsight will be the judge if they're good or bad. So we we'll, can't criticise them just yet. Let's move on to Sean Marsh, another big talking point. He's going to bat at six by the looks of it. You said in the podcast earlier in the week that you wanted Australia to pick the best batter at number six and you believe that was Sean Marsh. So they must have been listening. <laughs> Well, I, I, I was pretty confident about the bowling. So, so in my mind, I really wanted to shore up the batting as much as I possibly could. And, and that's the reason why I wanted Australia to pick the best batsman. If, if they bowled um, and gave a few overs, then that's, that's a bonus. But I think the runs are the most important thing. So, um, yeah, we can argue until the cows come home about um, you know who that best number six batsman is. Is it Cartwright? Is it Maxwell? Is it Sean Marsh? And and, and perhaps the selectors have just gone on, on current form. And, and Sean Marsh in, in the one-day cup has been sensational. And, and as I said, in the Sheffield Shield has, been, has, been, has, has looked really good. He's got a couple of 60s, I think three half centuries so far, a good 90 against that you know, test attack, New South Wales. Um, and, and, 
I think he's at a stage in his career where he's he's probably figured his game out, and so having that experience in a huge series like an Ashes would probably probably counted for him and helped him in his selection uh, today. Now, this will be his seventh chance in the test team, Mike, and he's got a body that's repeatedly let him down. We spoke about that earlier in the week. Can you see why some of the fans are a little bit miffed about this selection and why they thought that Sean Marsh's international career was over and that Australian selectors wouldn't go back to him? <laughs> oh, I can see why there's, there's all, the, uh, all the talk about it. But at the end of the day, um, he's a class player and he's a quality player. And if you ask any first-class player around the country... Um, if Sean Marsh is playing at his best, he, he probably is in the best six batsmen in the country. Uh, and he is playing at his best at the moment. His body is good. So, you know, why wouldn't you go for the best? Um, you know, there's no point saying, oh, we don't want to pick him because we're worried he might get injured. Well, he might not, he, you know. We're worried that, um, you know, oh, he, he, he's had seven chances in the past. Well, he's now at a stage, well, and, and that doesn't mean he's, he's not going to take his chance this time. You know, he's playing well. He, he's is one of Australia's best six batsmen, so let's get him in there. And um, I, I personally actually think it's a good selection, and, and I also think that he's at a stage in his career where he, he... I know it's such a huge series, but I think he knows his game so much better now. Um, he'll be comfortable in his own skin. He'll have the experience to be able to just handle the situation a lot better than perhaps he has done in the past. But, you know, as you said, um, time, time will tell, and... and you know, from, for all the Australian fans out there, we all, we all hope he can take his chance on this occasion. He's going to have a WA teammate next to him, Cameron Bancroft, uncapped player. Um, now, their selectors prior to the summer have said they, want to, they wanted a player to put their hand up, and he's just done that. He got 76 in that JLT one-day cup final under pressure. He got those twin half centuries, as you said, against that test attack at Hurstville Oval, and then that mammoth unbeaten 228 in the last shield run. We didn't even mention it, Mike, because we recorded the podcast before he even got off the mark. So we, <laughs> yeah, we, we, that's right. We miss Cameron, but he's put an irresistible case forward to the selectors, and they just couldn't ignore it. Well, exactly right. And the selectors did say that. You know, to their credit, at the start of the summer, they said, right, there's three Sheffield Shield games out there. Um, go, go and get yourself picked. And look, Cameron Bancroft, he couldn't do any more, really. Um, batting brilliantly against that New South Wales attack and then just probably sealed the deal with a double hundred. The selectors had been looking at him for a couple of years. He was picked in that Bangladesh tour, but unfortunately was cancelled. Um, so, so he has been a player on the radar for a period of time. And, and yeah, I think that double hundred just sealed it for him. Just, you know, well, you know, he's in great, great form. He's scoring runs. Unfortunately for Matt Renshaw, um, things just haven't gone his way. And, and so they've decided to go for a player um, who's just at the top of his game at the moment. Um, it, it would have been a tough ask for someone like Matt Renshaw, who's obviously in a bit of a hole at the moment, to come in and try and find form in an Ashes series. So um, it's a really tough call. Um, I know I, I sort of mentioned, you know, I would have loved to have... Um, stuck with Matt Ranshaw, show some faith in him. But he is young. He will come back, hopefully, bigger and better and stronger. Um, and, uh, you know, the selectors have, have picked guys that are that are in form and, and scoring runs. So, um, you know, I don't think too many people can argue with that one. Absolutely not. Ranshaw's made 70 runs and six innings to shut, start the Shield summer. He did get 184 in his last test at home in the SCG earlier this year. And Nathan Lyon earlier this week came out and declared that the inner sanctum is backing Renshaw, so a little bit of a surprise there. But where do you think his head's at right now, Mike? And when a player gets dropped like Renshaw has, where does he sit in the pack? Is he next in line or does he go right down the order? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure. I, I think the selectors will definitely need him to go away and score some runs before they consider him again. Um, uh, so I, 
I don't know. Perhaps if, if there happened to be an injury in the first couple of uh, couple of tests at the top of the order, then then maybe they'd go straight back to him. Um, but I think they'd love him to go back to Queensland, you know, score plenty of runs, get his confidence back up, and then um, then yeah, he, he's definitely he'll, he'll definitely come back at some stage. Uh, I don't I don't have any uh, qualms about that. But but something like this, it is a big effect, um, you know, mentally. And, and it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to this. We saw, say, Peter Neville last year when he got dropped. He went away and scored a couple of double hundreds for New South Wales. Yep. Um, but Matt Renshaw is a lot younger. Um, he's a bit more inexperienced. Um, it, it's going to be a difficult time for him. You know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of media floating around him, a lot of negativity um, around him and also in his, in, in his own mind. So somehow he's got to try and park that to the side just get back to enjoying his cricket, playing his way, scoring plenty of runs, and and, um, and then hopefully uh, he can get back into that Australian team. You know, in the future, some at some time. You know, as um, as was mentioned, a lot of the great players have been dropped before in the past, and it's how you come back, I think, that really matters. Has put yourself in England's shoes. What do you reckon they're thinking right now, having seen all this go down? They came to Australia with the Australians, pretty much the settled side, and they've got lots of question marks about their eleven. All of a sudden, the selectors have dropped these bombshells. What do you think is going on in their head? Well, I feel like England have been pretty quiet and just going under the radar at the moment, and um, yeah, just just sort of quietly preparing away, playing their games. I, I'm sure they've got their their own headaches selection headaches that they're um they're trying to sort through themselves a few injury problems and uh but but you know that the new guys that they've got in their squad have actually um performed reasonably well uh so far i saw stoneman get 100 uh recently and uh, james vince has looked in pretty good touch uh, so far on the tour as well and even uh, milan so, so the the guys that probably england were most worried about um have have actually performed pretty well and so so i feel like they're just going under the radar quietly preparing well um, getting their ducks in a row, I guess, and and, and they'll be primed for, for, for the first test in, in Brisbane. Um, I, I think they'll probably like a little bit of a, the circus going on around the Australian team at the moment, but you've got to remember they're still um, you know, just, just under a week before the, the first test. So I'm sure this will die down pretty quickly and both teams will get into camp into Brisbane and really start to uh, lock down and, and prepare well for that first test. Um, but, yeah, I think England will be uh, quite happy with a, with a bit of a circus going on at the moment. And does this change the way you see the series playing out? Um, no, not really. Uh, no, not really. I, I, I still would back Australia in. I think, I think we've got a very good team pick. We've got where, you know, the selectors have picked players who are in form, and, and I think that's really important. We're not going into that first series hoping Renshaw can find some form in that first test. Um, we're not going into the series um, uh, hoping, you know, Maxwell can, uh, you know, play that uh, crazy match-winning innings there. We're going in with guys that have, have proven themselves. They've dominated the level below and, and they've deserved their selection by, by, by sheer weight of runs. Tim Payne's probably the outlier there that, um, you know, a lot of people could argue, well, has he really earned his place with, by dominating the level below? Um, but maybe that's the hunch call they've gone um, uh, in, on, on this occasion with going for the best glovesman. Thanks, us. We'll see how this all unfolds across the summer. Yeah, no worries, mate. That's it for this special edition of the Unplayable Podcast. We'll be back next week to preview the first Magellan Ashes test at the Gabba. But for all your Ashes news, scores, reaction, video, basically everything you need to know, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Thank you. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.